You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Is no credentials required covering sports around the mighty 518. Part of the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network in association with Godzilla Media. Here is your host, Ryan McCarthy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 84 of No Credentials Required, where you don't need a press pass to talk sports. I'm your host, Ryan McCarthy, and I thank you for joining me in this episode. Before I get into the episode, which will be the top 10 athletes who have stopped through the Capital Region, just want to remind you about some of our social networks on Twitter, Instagram, and yes, it's true, we are on TikTok at NoCredsREQ, Facebook.com forward slash NoCredsREQ, and on YouTube, search for No Credentials Required, hit the subscribe button, then hit the notifications bell, that way you know when either new uploads of videos or live streams are available on the podcast side our home base is spreaker but you can find us on most if not all podcast platforms that includes apple podcasts spotify spreaker amazon music iHeartRadio, tune in wherever you podcast hit subscribe also if you can leave a rating and leave a review because that way more people know that this podcast exists and also if you leave a review i might even read it on the air sometime before I get into this episode, I just want to address something and be upfront and come clean with you. I know it's been a while since I've recorded an episode, and I stopped recording the Morning Cup edition of the podcast. In June, I tried recording a morning podcast in the hopes of moving the needle in terms of listenerships, but I, I just couldn't. 
It's very difficult to host, produce, and edit a podcast, especially when you're the only one doing so on a daily basis. And it started to become a chore. And once it became a chore, I became less and less motivated to record. As a result, I stopped recording the Morning Cup. I recorded only one podcast episode in July, which was my NHL draft episode. And after recording that episode, life was getting in the way a lot as it tends to do during the summer. So I couldn't record. And again, it's very difficult to stay motivated as well as accountable as a one-man operation as host, producer, and editor. Hopefully as the summer winds down, I'll be able to start recording again. I've actually also gone back to live streams. I'm going to be doing live streams every Monday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on our YouTube channel. So you want to check those out. I'm also going to be part of a segment called Coffee with McCarthy on the Snowman in the Morning. It's at 8.35 a.m. Eastern Time. So you want to check that out as well on YouTube or Twitch or on Roku. So if you've been waiting for an episode... I know all three of you who listen have been waiting for this episode to come out. Thank you so much for your patience. So as I mentioned on this episode, I'm going to rank the top 10 professional athletes who have stopped through the capital region. I'm not counting the athletes that played on a professional team in Albany. We'll do a ranking of those athletes another time. I'm talking about the athletes who played for a minor league team that went on the stellar careers in either Major League Baseball, the NBA, or the NHL. Since we're going to talk a little baseball in this episode, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about one of our partners at Godzilla Media, and that's Johnstone Supply in Troy. Summer's winding down, but it's still hot as freaking balls outside right now. Highs in the 90s, overnight lows in the 70s. No one wants to work in this weather, let alone sleep uncomfortably. If you want to stay comfortable through this weather, throughout the rest of the summer, call a team at Johnstone Supply in Troy. Ask the team at Johnstone Supply about their high-efficiency central AC systems and ductless mini-splits. The John Goodman system, Fujitsu, and Westinghouse are all in stock and at great prices. Need someone to help you install a new system? Johnstone Supply and Troy can help with that, too. Give Tom, Kev, James, or Bert a call, and they can put you in a cooler place for the rest of the summer. To stay cool for the rest of the summer... Call Johnstone Supply in Troy at 518-272-5922. You can also visit them at their location at 2600 6th Avenue in Troy. Get a new AC system today by calling 518-272-5922. Stop by their location in Troy, or you can connect online at johnstonesupply.com. And another reminder for one of our partners at Godzilla Media, next Saturday night, August 13th at 7 p.m., is the National Arena League Championship. It'll be hosted by the Albany Empire as they take on the Carolina Cobras. The Empire aiming for their third championship in as many seasons between the Arena Football League and the National Arena League. Plenty of tickets are still available at MVP Arena. Get your tickets today by visiting albanyempirenal.com or call the box office at 518-714-2200, extension 101. All right, so let's get to this list. And at number 10, my top of my top 10 athletes, pro athletes who have passed through the Albany area, Sergey Breland. Sergey Breland was drafted 42nd overall in the 1992 NHL draft. Breland was known for his defensive capabilities at forward, which made him a perfect player for the type of hockey the Devils were known for then. Due to the 1994 NHL lockout, which reduced the regular season to 48 games, 
Breland played 63 games with the Albany River Rats during their 1994-95 season. Breland scored 19 goals and 35 assists as the River Rats finished with the best record in the American Hockey League en route to their first and only Calder Cup in team history. During the same season, Breland played 26 games with the Devils, scoring six goals and eight assists. In 12 playoff games, Breland scored one goal and two assists. His one goal was scored in Game 4 of the Stanley Cup Final, where the Devils swept the Detroit Red Wings for their first Stanley Cup in franchise history. Skipped along now for Ralston. Ryan Ralston walking it ahead, and a drive is saved by Vernon. Rebound! Spike fly! Breland came charging to the slot. Now it's Ralston again. Breland all alone in front. The Devils remain the last NHL team to win the Stanley Cup and have their AHL affiliate win the Calder Cup in the same season. Brilliant played 50 games with the Devils during the 1995-96 season before splitting time between New Jersey and Albany for the next two seasons. When he was with the River Rats, Breland played a greater offensive role under head coach John Cunniff. During the 1996-97 season, the forwards scored 17 goals and 23 assists in 43 games as a River Rat, and the following season, he scored 21 goals and 22 assists in 44 games. By the 1998-99 season, Breland was a mainstay with the Devils, helping New Jersey win the Stanley Cup in 2000. His best season statistically as a New Jersey Devil came in 2000-2001 when he scored 23 goals and 29 assists in 75 games. Breland only appeared in 52 games in the 2002-2003 season, but played a key role in another Devils Stanley Cup run. In his final four seasons, he appeared in 82 games in each season with the Devils. After he was not offered a contract following the 2007-2008 season, Breland left the team to join CSKA of the KHL, and his last season of play came in 2011-2012, where he played with Novokunetsk Metallurg. In 2013, Breland joined the Albany Devils as an assistant coach and has remained with the organization to this day in Binghamton, and now with the Utica Comets. At number nine, Mario Ellie. Mario Ellie was drafted by the Milwaukee Bucks in the 1995 NBA draft. However, he was a training camp cut casualty. Ellie was a literal journeyman, traveling to Ireland, Miami, Florida, Argentina, and Portugal before joining the CBA's Albany Patroons in 1989. Ellie put his game together under head coach George Carl's tutelage, and in two seasons with the Patroons, he averaged 20.8 points per game. He was also named to the All-CBA first team in both seasons with the Patroons. He was a part of the Patroons team that set a league record in 1990-91 with a 50-6 regular season record. During that season, Ellie earned his first NBA contract, signing a 10-day contract with the Philadelphia 76ers. In February 1991, he signed with the Golden State Warriors and remained with the team through the end of the season. During free agency, he signed with the Portland Trailblazers, where he played until August 2, 1993, when he was traded to the Houston Rockets for a second-round pick in the 1995 NBA draft. That's where Ellie's career, to turn a phrase, 
took off. Ellie appeared in 81 games in the 1993-94 season, primarily coming off the bench to be a key role player on defense and as a shooter. The Rockets won the 1994 NBA championship, but Ellie played a bigger role on the 1994-95 team. Ellie appeared in 81 games, starting in 13 games, averaging 8.8 points per game, but he played a more prominent role in the playoffs. In Game 7 of the Western Conference Finals against Phoenix, he hit a three-pointer with 7.1 seconds remaining to give the Rockets the lead. Blowing kisses towards the Suns bench, this shot is known in Rockets fan lore as the kiss of death. The Rockets would beat San Antonio in six games in the Western Conference Finals to advance to their second consecutive NBA Finals. In that series, Rockets head coach Rudy Tomjanovich inserted Ellie as a starter in all four games, and the move paid off as the Rockets swept the up-and-coming Orlando Magic in four straight to win their second consecutive championship. Ellie's role would increase in the 1995-96 season as he became a permanent fixture in the Rockets lineup as a starter. He stayed in Houston until he became a free agent after the 1997-98 season and signed with the rival San Antonio Spurs. Ellie found himself as a role player for another championship team as the Spurs won the first of their five NBA titles as he helped the Spurs defeat the New York Knicks in five games. Ellie stayed with the Spurs until he signed with Phoenix for the 2000-2001 season, which would be his final season in the NBA. Ellie was named to the New York State Basketball Hall of Fame in 2000 and is recognized as one of the greatest players to ever play for the Houston Rockets. At number eight, Andy Pettit. Andy Pettit was drafted in the 22nd round of the 1990 Major League Baseball draft at 594th overall. He started his Yankee career in 1991 pitching for the Gulf Coast League Yankees before being promoted to the Oneonta Yankees of the New York Penn League. In 1992, Pettit pitched in Greensboro in the South Atlantic League, posting a 10-4 record in 27 games started for the Hornets. In 1993, the left-hander started the season in the Carolina League with the Prince William Cannons, where he went 11-9 in 26 starts. Later that year, Pettit made his first appearance with the Albany Colony Yankees in the AA Eastern League. He went 1-0 with a 3.60 ERA and six strikeouts. This would not be his only appearance in the Capital Region, as he started the 1994 season with the AC Yankees. Pettit would post a 72 record with a 2.71 earned run average, 11 starts, and 50 strikeouts. He was promoted to the AAA club in Columbus during the season, where he continued his dominance, winning seven additional games with the Clippers. At the end of the season, he was named the Yankees' minor league pitcher of the year. After the 1994 lockout, and with spring training delayed following the end of the lockout, Pettit made the Yankees roster. On April 29th, 1995, Pettit made his Major League debut, those out of the bullpen in relief of Melito Perez. He would be sent down to Columbus to make room for Sterling Hitchcock, but by mid-May, he was back in the Bronx due to injuries in the starting lineup. Pettit made his first Major League start on 
May 27th, which was a 3-0 loss to the Oakland A's. Six days later, he lost another close decision to the California, now Anaheim, Angels. But on June 7th, Pettit earned his first win in the major leagues against Oakland in a 6-1 win. Pettit remained a part of the rotation for the rest of the season, finishing with a 12-9 record, which earned him a third-place finish in Rookie of the Year voting. The 1996 season was where Pettit became the alpha of the Yankees' starting rotation. He started the year 13-4 and and earned his first All-Star nomination, but did not pitch due to arm soreness. Pettit went on to finish with a 21-8 record and 34 starts, with a 3.87 ERA and 162 strikeouts, finishing second in the AL Cy Young Award voting. Pettit went on to post double-digit win totals over the next seven seasons, but where he shined the most was in the playoffs. In his first nine seasons with the Yankees, Pettit would post at least one win in 12 of 20 postseason series. This included the masterpiece in Game 5 of the 1996 World Series, where he outdueled the National League Cy Young Award winner, John Smoltz, in a 1-0 win. That is a huge number, but Pettit gets the strikeout. That he doesn't want to happen here. One-two pitch, and he's got Lemke. So all five hitters in this game who have come to the plate have struck out. Runner goes, they got him picked off. Fielder throw to Jeter. Big, big play. Andy Pettit, who led the majors with 11 pickoffs. When you're pitching against a team twice in a week. Gets him to chase it. One-two delivered to him. Breaking ball. Strike three call. And Lemke's up real close. This one, he gets down. Pettit looks to third. Force play. They got it. Outstanding play by Andy Pettit. A gutsy play by Pettit. The band, bare hand grab and the throw to Charlie Hayes. In 1998, he threw seven and one-third scoreless innings in Game 4 to help the Yankees secure the World Series by sweeping the San Diego Padres. He was a part of the core four Yankees, which won four World Series titles in a five-season span from 1996 to 2000. Pettit left the Yankees after the 2003 season and signed with the Houston Astros. He only appeared in 11 games in the 2004 season, winning six games and holding batters to a 226 average before being sidelined with a flexor tear in his throwing elbow. In 2005, Pettit came back and had one of his best seasons ever, posting a career-low 2.39 ERA in 33 games started while posting 17 wins. He had good enough of a postseason to help the Astros reach the World Series for the first time in franchise history and pitched one game in the 2005 World Series, a no decision in Game 2. The Astros were eventually swept by the Chicago White Sox in four games. The Astros missed the playoffs in 2006, but Pettit was still solid, leading the National League in starts with 35 and was 10th in strikeouts with 178. Pettit came back to the Yankees in 2007 and helped the Yankees reach the playoff for the third. Pettit came back to the Yankees in 2007 and helped the Yankees reach the playoffs for the 13th consecutive season. He started 34 games, posting a 15 and 9 record with a 4.05 ERA and won his 200th career game on September 19th. Pettit made one postseason appearance in the American League Division Series against Cleveland, where he pitched a no decision. 
One of his worst seasons statistically came in 2008, where he finished 14 and 14 with a 4.54 ERA as the Yankees' playoff appearance streak was snapped. But in 2009, Pettit finished with a 14 and 8 record and 32 starts en route to another World Series appearance, this time against Philadelphia. Pettit won both his starts, including the clinching Game 6, where he pitched on only three days rest as the Yankees won their 27th World Series title. Pettit went on to play three more seasons before retiring at the end of the 2013 season. On August 23, 2015, Pettit's number 46 was retired by the Yankees as he was forever enshrined in Memorial Park. Pettit retired as the all-time Major League leader in postseason wins with 19, starts with 44, and innings pitched with 276 and two-thirds. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. All right, so that was 10 through 8. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we'll go over 7 through 5. You're listening to No Credentials Required. In the Clutch features the best and officially licensed MLBPA and MLSPA clothing. In the Clutch features teams from every city like New York, Boston, Philadelphia, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, and more. It also features designs for every league, including Major League Baseball, the National Football League, the NBA, and the NHL. Plus, check out exclusive collections as well as vintage wear. Head to intheclutch.com, enter promo code NOCREDS at checkout for 10% off your order. All right, welcome back to No Credentials Required. We are continuing to rank the top 10 professional athletes who stopped through the Capital Region on their way to really, really great careers. And we're going to resume at number seven. And that number seven is Brian Ralston. Brian Ralston was drafted 11th overall in the 1991 NHL draft. The New Jersey Devils second pick in the first round after Scott Niedermeyer. Prior to joining the Devils, Ralston excelled at Lake Superior State University from 1991 to 1993 helping the Lakers to two Frozen Four appearances, winning in 1992. After the 1993 college hockey season ended, Ralston joined the U.S. men's hockey team in preparation for the 1994 Winter Games in Lillehammer. After the games ended, Ralston joined the Albany River Rats, where he played 17 games in the 1993-94 season. During the lockout that delayed the 1994-95 NHL season, Ralston played 18 games in Albany, scoring 9 goals and 11 assists. After the lockout ended, Ralston was promoted to the Devils, appearing in 40 games and scored 7 goals and 11 assists. In the playoffs, in the playoffs, Ralston appeared in only 6 games, but scored 2 goals and 1 assist. One of his goals was the game-winning goal in Game 6 of the Eastern Conference Final against Philadelphia. And his lone assist was the aforementioned Sergey Breland in Game 4 of the Stanley Cup Final. Takes the shot, blocked in front, Devils chance, great save by Hextall, rebound shot, Hextall blocked it away to Terrian. 
Scott Niedermeyer really setting people up out there on his shifts as he moved it around twice for scoring chances. And really, unlike the Devils, most Devils defensemen, and unlike really the way Jacques Lemaire wants him to play, Niedermeyer is way up in the zone. There's another great pass. Billy Guerin moves it in with Ralston. Guerin, shot, save, Ralston, Ralston would remain a mainstay with the Devils over the course of his next four seasons, with his best season coming during the 1998-99 season. The speedy forward appeared in all 82 games and played a bigger role in the offense, scoring 24 goals and 33 assists. Ralston led the NHL in short-handed goals that season and finished 10th in the Frank Selke Trophy, voting for best defensive forward. That season would be his final full season as a New Jersey Devil, as on November 9th, 1999, he was traded along with a first-round pick in the 2000 NHL draft to Colorado for Claude Lemieux, as well as a first- and second-round pick in 2000. A few months later, on March 6, 2000, Ralston was traded again, this time with the Devils pick in the Lemieux trade, along with Martin Grenier and Sammy Paulson to Boston for Dave Andrewchuk and Ray Bork. In four seasons with the Bruins, Ralston would finish in the top five in scoring on the team and led the league in shorthanded goals with nine in 2001-2002. Following the lockout, which canceled the 2004-2005 season, Ralston became a free agent and signed with Minnesota. In his first season with the Wild, Ralston had his best season statistically, scoring 34 goals and 45 assists while playing in 82 games under coach Jacques Lemaire. In 2007, Ralston was elected to his first and only All-Star Game appearance. After his contract with Minnesota ended after the 2007-2008 season, Ralston signed back with the Devils and spent three more seasons with the club before being traded to the New York Islanders in July 2011. He and Mike Motto were traded to Boston in February 2012 for Mark Canton and Yannick Riendo. Ralston officially retired in April 2013. He played in 1,256 NHL games, scoring 342 goals and 419 assists. Of his 342 goals, 33 were shorthanded, which is 14th all-time in National Hockey League history. Ralston is also one of the most decorated players internationally representing the United States, winning a bronze medal in the 1992 World Juniors Tournament and the 1996 World Championship, a silver medal in the 2002 Salt Lake City Olympics, and he was a member of the United States team, which upset Canada to win the 1996 World Cup of Hockey. At number six is Jose Altuve. Jose Altuve's baseball career started rather surreptitiously in 2007. At the age of 16, he was refused a tryout with the Houston Astros as they feared he was too young due to his height, five foot six. After producing a birth certificate and seeing his tryout, the Astros signed Altuve. The Venezuelan moved to the United States in 2008 and joined the Astros Rookie League affiliate in Greenville, Tennessee. Altuve played in 50 games in 2008, and in 2009, he earned a promotion after hitting 324 in 45 games to go at 15 doubles and 39 stolen bases. Where was that promotion, you might ask? 
That promotion was to Troy, New York, where he played as a member of the Tri-City Valley Cats. Altuve played in only 21 games for the Capital Region Club that season, and he hit a measly 250, but he had 15 doubles and three triples. In 2010, Altuve joined the Class A affiliate in Lexington, Kentucky, and moved on to the Class A advanced team in Lancaster, California later that season, and he spent the rest of 2010 into 2011. In 2011, Altuve started impressively, hitting 408 in 52 games to go with 13 doubles and 7 triples, and he would earn a promotion to A Corpus Christi. As a member of the Hooks, Altuve continued to improve by hitting 362 in 35 games with 9 doubles, 3 triples, and 5 home runs. On July 19, 2011, Altuve made his Major League debut. The diminutive short, shortstop has at least one hit in his first seven games, and he has remained a regular part of the club ever since. In 2012, Altuve was elected to his first All-Star game, hitting 290 with 34 doubles and, and stole 33 bases while committing only 11 errors in 142 games started. He missed the All-Star game in 2013, but he has been selected as an All-Star in seven of the last nine seasons. In 2014, he won the first of his five Silver Slugger Awards as he has led the American League in hits over the course of the four consecutive seasons. He also broke the Astros franchise single-season record with 225 hits and 660 at-bats in 2014. But it was the 2017 season that was one of Altuve's best seasons ever. Altuve led the American League with 204 hits, and a 346 batting average, hitting 39 doubles to go along with 24 home runs and 32 stolen bases. That year, he won the American League's Most Valuable Player Award as he helped lead the Astros to the American League West Championship. In the playoffs, Altuve hit 310 with seven home runs and 14 RBIs as the Astros won their first World Series championship in franchise history. Altuve, open stance, waits, another 3-2, and a fly ball, deep left center field, at the wall, tie game, unbelievable, Altuve, 7-7. He has been a part of an Astros team that has won five consecutive AL West titles, has been in the World Series with the Astros twice. As of this recording, Altuve is fifth in franchise history in hits, fourth in, and fourth in doubles and stolen bases with the Astros. At number five, Hunter Pence. Hunter Pence was originally drafted by the Milwaukee Brewers in the 40th round of the 2002 Major League Baseball draft. However, Pence did not sign with the Brewers, and instead elected to play baseball at the University of Texas at Arlington. With the Mavericks, Pence was a star hitter, winning the Southland Conference's Player of the Year in 2004. Pence re-entered the draft that year and was selected by the Houston Astros at 41st overall. He was immediately signed to the Tri-City Valley Cats of the New York Penn League. In one season with the club, Pence hit 296 with 18 doubles and one home run. 
he and teammate and future major leaguer Ben Zobrist helped lead the Valley Cats to win their first Stedler Division title and route to the league championship, where unfortunately they lost to the Mahoning Valley Scrappers. Penn split the 2005 season between Salem and Advanced A and Lexington in Class A, but he started to be noticed by the club in 2006. Pence played with Corpus Christi in 2006, hitting 283 with 28 home runs and 95 RBIs, which earned him recognition as one of three outfielders to be named to Baseball America's minor league all-star team. Pence nearly made the Astros out of spring training in 2007, but would only spend 25 games with the Astros AAA affiliate in Round Rock. On April 28, 2007, Pence made his major league debut against, interestingly enough, Milwaukee, the team which originally drafted him in 2003. Pence collected his first major league hit and scored his first run in that game. Pence remained with Houston for the rest of the season, finishing with a 322 batting average with 17 home runs and 69 RBIs as he was named to Topps Major League Baseball All-Rookie Team and was third in the National League Rookie of the Year voting. In 2008, Pence was moved from center field to right field, and while his offensive numbers slipped a little, his fielding totals were tops in the league as he was credited with 16 outfield assists and had a 997 fielding percentage. His offensive numbers improved in 2009 as Pence hit 282 with 25 home runs and 72 RBIs to go along with 26 doubles. Those efforts earned Pence his first nomination to the All-Star Game. Pence remained steady in 2010 and finished with the same batting average and home run totals as the year before, but his RBI total improved to 91. He was named National League Player of the Week for the week of August 30th through September 5th when he hit 500 with a 909 slugging percentage and two home runs. In 2011, Pence was named an All-Star again, but he would not remain in Houston for the remainder of the season. On July 29th, he was traded to Philadelphia. Pence became an integral part of the Phillies' run to a National League East Division crown and appeared in the playoffs for the first time, helping the Phillies advance to the National League Championship Series. Pence's tenure in Philadelphia wouldn't last very long. 367 days after being traded to Philadelphia, he was traded to San Francisco. It was in San Francisco, however, where Pence would make his permanent home. Though he hit only 219 for the Giants in 59 games, it was a speech in the dugout of Game 3 of the National League Division Series against Cincinnati that sparked the Giants along. The Giants would beat the Reds in five games, then defeat St. Louis in the National League Championship Series before sweeping Detroit in the World Series as the Giants won their second title in three seasons. In 2013, Pence became the first Giant since 1954 to start in every regular season game as he finished the season with a career-best 29 home runs and 99 RBIs. Near the end of the season, the Giants rewarded Pence with a five-year contract extension. The next season, Pence appeared in 162 games once again and was elected to his third All-Star game. The Giants earned a wildcard berth and would become the fifth team in Major League Baseball history to win the World Series as a wild card. Pence saved his best for last in the World Series, hitting 444 with a home run and five RBIs and made monumental plays defensively, helping the Giants win their third title in five seasons as they beat Kansas City in seven games. 
In the air to center, well hit. Kane back. Over his head. And gone. Hunter Pence with a two-run shot and a three-to-nothing first inning lead in game one. How about the Giants now? Two home runs in their first nine postseason games this year. They've got four over their past one plus. The next season in 2015, Pence played in only 52 games as he had two stints on the disabled list. The first stint was during spring training where he suffered a fractured forearm after being hit by a pitch. In June, he was back in the DL with tendonitis in his left wrist. And finally in August, he was placed on the DL due to a left oblique strain and would miss the rest of the season. Pence returned in 2016 to, to regular form, appearing 106 games and hitting 289 with 13 home runs and 57 RBIs. The next two seasons would continue to see a slide in Pence's offensive production, and he was not offered a contract in 2019. However, Pence would be offered a minor league contract with the Texas Rangers in 2019, and he would make the opening day roster. He was voted as a designated hitter, to the American League All-Star roster in 2019 and in 83 games would finish with a 297 batting average to go with 18 home runs and 59 RBIs. Pence returned to the Giants in 2020 but appeared in only 17 games for the club and he was designated for assignment on August 23rd. On September 26th, Pence announced his retirement. In 14 seasons with Houston, Philadelphia, San Francisco, and Texas, Pence hit 279 with 1,791 hits 242 home runs, and 942 RBIs. In July 2021, Pence joined NBC Sports Bay Area as an analyst during San Francisco Giants broadcasts, and in March 2022, he joined Major League Baseball Network, where he currently appears as an analyst. At number four, Bernie Williams. Bernabe Williams Figueroa Jr., a.k.a. Bernie Williams, was signed by the New York Yankees on his 17th birthday in 1985. The road to Albany for Williams started with the Gulf Coast Yankees, where he hit 270 with two doubles and five home runs in 1986. In 1987, he played for the Oneonta Yankees in the New York Penn League, where he appeared in 25 games and hit 344 before being promoted to Fort Lauderdale. In 1988, Williams played for Prince William in the Carolina League, but in 1989, he started the season with the Albany Colony Yankees of the Eastern League. In 91 games, Williams hit 251 with 11 doubles, 8 triples, and 11 home runs before being promoted to Columbus that season. In 1990, Williams spent the entire season in the Capital Region, hitting 281 with 28 doubles, 5 triples, and 8 home runs as he helped Albany Colony to a first-place finish in the Eastern League. Williams started the 1991 season with the Yankees AAA affiliate in Columbus, hitting 294 with 14 doubles and 8 RBIs. But on July 7, 1991, against Baltimore, Williams made his Major League debut, taking Roberto Kelly's spot in the outfield after an injury. That season, he hit 238 with 19 doubles, four triples, and three RBIs. The next season, he continued to divide his time between Columbus and the Bronx. But in 1993, Williams would be a permanent fixture in the Yankees lineup over the next 14 seasons. A slow start nearly prompted a deeply dissatisfied owner, George Steinbrenner, to trade Williams to Montreal for outfielder Larry Walker. 
However, he picked up the pace and eventually finished the year with a 268 batting average to go with 31 doubles and 12 home runs. Williams continued to improve, finishing with a 289 batting average in the 1994 season, which was canceled in September. When Major League Baseball came back in 1995, Williams began to truly emerge as a switch hitter for the Yankees. He finished with a 307 batting average with 29 doubles and 82 RBIs, helping the Bronx Bombers win the first ever American League wildcard playoff berth. Though the Yankees would be eliminated in five games to Seattle, there was a feeling that something special was being built in the Bronx. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. In 1996, Williams split time as a center fielder and designated hitter hitting 305 with 29 home runs. He also broke the 100-plus RBI barrier for the first time with 102. Williams broke out as a hitter in the playoffs, though, earning American League Championship Series MVP honors after hitting 474 with two home runs as the Yankees advanced to their first World Series since 1981. The infield back conceding the run should he hit it on the ground. He hits it in the air to deep right. This ball is gone. It isn't Carnegie Hall, but it's as grand a stage short of the World Series as baseball offers. And he is delivering a virtuoso performance. In the World Series against the wanted pitching of the Atlanta Braves, Williams only hit 167. But in game six, he went two for four with an RBI to help the Yankees clinch their first World Series title since 1978. Williams was earning the reputation of being one of the most feared switch hitters in baseball, and the culmination of that reputation came during the 1998 season. Williams led the American League with a 339 batting average to go with 26 home runs and 97 RBIs, earning his second All-Star Game appearance and the first of his four career gold gloves. And yes, the Yankees won the World Series that season. Williams finished with a career-best 342 batting average and drove in 100 runs in 1999 and helping the Yankees to another World Series win. But in 2000, he had one of his best seasons at the plate, finishing 307 with career-best in home runs with 30 and RBIs with 115, leading the Yankees to their third World Series title in a row and their fourth in five seasons. Williams continued his dominant hitting in 2001 and 2002, earning his only Silver Slugger award in 2002. 
His offensive numbers started to decline in 2003 up until his final season in 2006. Williams finished his career with a 297 batting average, 2,336 hits, 1,257 RBIs, 449 doubles, and 287 home runs. On May 24, 2015, Williams became one of 22 players in Yankees history to have his number retired as the number 51 was set aside, never to be worn again. As of this recording, Williams currently spends his time engaging in humanitarian causes. Fun fact about Bernie, he graduated with a bachelor's degree from the Manhattan School of Music in 2016. All right, we're going to get to number three and number two on this list. We're going to take a quick short break, and we'll have more when you come back. You're listening to No Credentials Required. This broadcast is brought to you by Mohawk Honda. At Mohawk Honda, the team can find what you're looking for by searching our lot or the entire eastern seaboard just for you. But the real opportunity for you right now is either trading in or selling your vehicle. Mohawk Honda buys cars, and in some cases, you may be able to sell it for more than what you paid for it. The supply chain is still facing challenges, which creates a selling opportunity for you. And as always, the team at Mohawk Honda will make the buying and selling experience very easy. You know them as Cars with Kern Swoboda, Trust Trav Landry, Louis the VIP Man Morales, Cam Seabach, Let's Do a Deal McKenna, Drive with Deanna Coles, My Guy, Easy Evans Whalen, or you can just talk to the leader in charge, General Manager Greg Johnson. At Mohawk Honda on Freeman's Bridge Road in Scotia, they want to buy your car, and they always go out of their way to please you. All right, and we are back with number three on our list of pro athletes who have passed through the Capital Region. At number three is Patrick Eliash. Patrick Eliash was drafted in the second round of the 1994 NHL draft at 51st overall. He would not step on the ice in North America until the 1995-96 season when he stepped onto the ice at Knickerbocker Arena in Albany, New York. Eliash played in 74 games with the Albany Rivets in his first season in North America. He would make one appearance with the New Jersey Devils that season on December 7th, 1995 against Toronto. While with the Riverettes, Eliash scored 27 goals and 36 assists in the 1995-96 season. The next season, he spent 57 games with Albany, scoring 24 goals and 42 assists. He made 17 appearances with the Devils. On December 12th, 1996, 360 days after his initial NHL debut, he scored his first NHL goal against Boston. In 1997-98, Eliash played three games in Albany and would spend the rest of the season with New Jersey, where he would become a permanent member of the club for the next 17 seasons. Eliash finished with 18 goals and 19 assists in 74 games, but throughout the season demonstrated the scoring touch that he would be known for. He finished on the NHL's all-rookie first team and was third in Calder Trophy voting for Rookie of the Year. Elias started to put his game together throughout the 1998-99 season, finishing fifth on the team in scoring. In the 1999-2000 season, Elias was put together on a line with center Jason Arnott and right winger Peter Sikora, and the A-line was born. Elias led the Devils in goals with 35, 
power play goals with nine and game winning goals with nine in 1999 2000 and was named to the first of his five all-star game appearances his scoring prowess continued into the playoffs tying for the team lead with 20 points and he had the primary assist in arnett's stanley cup clinching goal in double overtime of game six of the stanley cup final the next season Eliash broke the franchise single season record with 96 points scoring 40 goals and 56 assists as the Devils advanced to their second consecutive Stanley Cup final, only to lose to Colorado in seven games. Eliash would be in contention for the Hart Trophy that season as the league's most valuable player, finishing sixth in the voting. Though there was a drop-off in points production, Eliash continued to lead the Devils in points for the following season with 29 goals and 36 assists. In 2002-2003, he led the Devils in scoring once more as the franchise would advance to their third Stanley Cup final in four seasons, defeating the Mighty Ducks of Anaheim in seven games. Eliash led the team in scoring again in 2003-2004 as his scoring numbers rose dramatically from 57 points to 81 with 38 goals and 43 assists that season. Due to the canceled season in 2004-2005, Eliash split his season between the extra Liga of his native Czechia and Metalurg Magnogorsk of the KHL. The NHL returned in 2005-2006, but the winger missed the first 39 games of the season while battling hepatitis A. Eliash made his season debut on January 3rd, 2006 against Florida and promptly scored eight goals in his first four games back from illness. Even more stunning was the fact that he still scored 45 points with 16 goals and 29 assists in only 38 games as the Devils finished first in the Atlantic Division. The course of his career would come to a crossroads in the offseason as he was set to become one of the most coveted free agents in the NHL. Several teams pursued his services and Eliash verbally agreed to a contract with the crosstown rival New York Rangers. But after negotiations fell through, the Devils were able to retain Eliash with a new seven-year contract and the winger remained in New Jersey for the rest of his career. Eliash returned to top form in 2006-2007, leading the team with 69 points, scoring 21 goals and 48 assists en route to another division title. He would continue to remain a top scorer for the franchise over the course of the next several seasons. In 2009, Eliash earned the honor of winning the Golden Stick, Czechia's highest honor as the world's best Czech-born hockey player. Despite a slow start in the 2010-2011 season, Eliash made his final All-Star appearance and led the team in scoring with 62 points, scoring 21 goals and 41 assists. He finished second on the team in scoring the following season, but the Devils would eventually advance to their fifth Stanley Cup final appearance in team history, losing to Los Angeles in six games. The season was special for another reason, as on December 17, 2011, Eliash would tie, then surpass John McClain as the all-time leading goal scorer in franchise history. Bufflin is 6'3", almost 250, a big guy in front. Eliash bent one across, score! Gianta! And Eliash has gotten the new record for the franchise in points! In the lockout-shortened 2012-2013 season, Eliash led the team with 36 points, scoring 14 goals and 22 assists. Over the next three seasons, Eliash would play a diminished role in the Devils lineup, but still managed to set some milestones in his career. 
On January 6, 2015, Elias scored his 1,000th point in the NHL and a month later scored his 400th career goal. Elias played in only 16 games during the 2015-2016 season, which would turn out to be his final season in the NHL. On March 31, 2017, he formally announced his retirement. Elias finished his career as the Devils' franchise leader in 12 scoring categories between the regular season and playoffs. He became a naturalized U.S. citizen in January 2018. In his post-playing career, Elias serves as the head coach of the senior men's team for the Czechia national team and as a coaching consultant for the New Jersey Devils. At number two, Mariano Rivera. Mariano Rivera was signed by the New York Yankees from his native Panama in 1989. Initially, he started his career as a starting pitcher. In 1990, Rivera began his career in the Gulf Coast League, primarily in relief, though, finishing 5-1 with a 0.17 ERA. The next season, he played for Greensboro in the Class A South Atlantic League, finishing 4-9, but with a 2.75 ERA and 123 strikeouts. In 1992, Rivera played in the Fort Lauderdale of the Advanced A Florida League, posting a 5-3 record with a 2.28 ERA and 42 strikeouts. However, Rivera was injured during the season, and it was feared he would need Tommy John's surgery. But those fears would put to rest when it was revealed he only had a frayed UCL. Rivera was left unprotected for the 1992 Major League Baseball expansion draft, and the Florida Marlins were, were set to select the pitcher. However, with rules stating only one player the Colorado Rockies drafted Brad Osmus, and Rivera remained a Yankee. Rivera rehabbed his elbow and made 12 appearances between the GCL and Greensboro and recorded a combined 2.08 ERA. In 1994, Rivera started in an advanced A Tampa before being promoted to the Yankees AA club in Albany Colony in June. Rivera appeared in nine games for the AC Yankees, posting a 3-0 record, with a 2.27 ERA and 39 strikeouts. By July, he was promoted to their AAA club in Columbus and posted a 4-2 record, but struggled to keep his ERA down and finished with a 5.81 ERA. Rivera started the 1995 season in Columbus, but as May hit and the Yankees pitching lineup faced injuries, he was promoted to the Bronx. On May 23rd, Rivera made his first Major League start against the California now Anaheim, Angels. Throughout his first four starts, he posted a 10.20 ERA and was sent back down to Columbus on June 11th. Nearly a month later, Rivera was back in pinstripes, and in his first start on Independence Day, he pitched eight scoreless innings and struck out 11 Chicago White Sox batters and a 4-1 win. He was sent back to Columbus in August, but was added back to the Yankees lineup in September, primarily coming out of the bullpen instead of starting. His 1995 numbers weren't very impressive. A 5-3 record with a 5.15 ERA and 51 strikeouts. The 1995 season, however, would be the last one in which Mariano Rivera would be a starter. Prior to the 1996 season, Rivera's Yankee career was in doubt again, as there were rumblings that owner George Steinbrenner was looking to bolster team depth at shortstop. Rumor had it that Steinbrenner nearly sent Rivera to Seattle for Felix Bermin. However, Steinbrenner entrusted the position to Derek Jeter, and the rest was history. Rather than placing him in the starting rotation, new manager Joe Torre decided Rivera would be a better pitcher out of the bullpen. By the end of May, Rivera 
became the setup pitcher for reliever John Wetland. And in 61 appearances, Rivera struck out 130 batters and 107 and two-thirds innings, breaking the strikeout record for Yankee relievers. That season, Rivera finished third in the American League Cy Young Award voting en route to helping the Yankees win their first World Series title in 18 years. During the playoffs, Rivera allowed only one earned run in 14 and one-third innings pitched. After electing not to re-sign Wetland during the offseason, Rivera became the full-time relief pitcher in 1997. Following some early struggles by blowing three of his first six save opportunities, Rivera settled down into the role, and by the All-Star break had 27 saves. He elected to an appearance in the All-Star game for the first time and earned a save in the same game for the American League. He finished the 1997 season with 43 saves and 52 opportunities with a 1.88 ERA. During the season, he accidentally discovered how to throw his now patented cut fastball, which he added to his pitching repertoire and made him the most dominant closer in the game. In 1998, Rivera made 36 saves out of 41 opportunities and finished with a 1.91 ERA as the Yankees set a major league record in wins. After blowing a save in the American League Divisional Series in the previous season, Rivera was out to make sure the 1998 playoffs would not end the same way. Rivera threw 13 and one-third scoreless innings with six saves as the Yankees won a record 125 games between the regular season and playoffs combined, and the Yankees won the World Series. Padres need base runners to get the tying run up there. Ground ball to Jeter. The flip for one on the first. A double play, 6-4-3, and the Yankees are one out away. The starter of tonight's game as Sweeney grounds to third. Brocious, fittingly with a throw, the Yankees have done it again. Number 24. They are the world champions of baseball in 1998. In 1999, Rivera made the All-Star game for the second time in his career, leading the American League with 45 saves and 49 opportunities as the Yankees returned to the World Series. Rivera saved games one and four and won game three as the Yankees won their second consecutive title in the sweep of Atlanta, earning World Series Most Valuable Player honors. In 2000, Rivera made 36 saves and 41 opportunities with a 2.85 ERA. In the playoffs, Rivera had six saves and allowed only three earned runs as the Yankees won their third consecutive World Series title over the Crosstown Mets. He also broke two records, with his 16th playoff career save, and he broke the consecutive scoreless innings record that postseason. After the 2000 season, the Yankees rewarded Rivera with a four-year contract extension. The contract didn't stop him from being dominant. Rivera saved 50 games and 57 opportunities while pitching a career-best 80 and two-thirds innings in 2001. The Yankees looked to be on their way to their fourth consecutive World Series title, but he blew his second save of his postseason career in the most brutal fashion possible. Game 7 of the World Series, as the Arizona Diamondbacks beat the Yankees. Rivera's dominance continued into the 2002 season, but was cut short in early August after suffering a shoulder injury. He finished with only 26 saves, his lowest save total since the 1996 season when he had five saves. In 2003, Rivera missed the first month of the season with a groin injury, but would still finish with 40 sa- but would still finish with 40 saves and 46 opportunities and a career best 1.66 ERA. 
Once again, Rivera would save his best performances for the postseason. As in Game 7 of the American League Championship Series, he appeared in the eighth inning of a 5-5 game and threw three consecutive scoreless innings. The Yankees would win the game and the pennant in the bottom of the 11th when third baseman and current manager Aaron Boone hit a towering home run off Tim Wakefield. Rivera earned series MVP honors with two saves and the win in Game 7. The Yankees returned to the World Series but lost to the Florida Marlins in six games. Rivera returned in the 2004 season and earned his 300th career save on May 28th, and by midseason he had 34 saves. Rivera finished with a career-high 53 saves in 2004, but his postseason was more memorable. In a postseason that most Yankee fans would like to forget, Rivera blew three saves and five save opportunities in the American League Championship Series against Boston. A 3-0 series lead would turn into a 4-3 series loss as the Red Sox became the first team in Major League Baseball history to win a postseason after being down 0-3. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Questions of Rivera's dominance loomed in the beginning of the 2005 season. Rivera missed spring training due to elbow bursitis and blew two saves in his first two opportunities of the season, interestingly enough, against the Red Sox. But Rivera rebounded, throwing 23 consecutive scoreless innings and converted his next 31 consecutive save opportunities, earning yet another All-Star Game appearance. By the end of the season, he finished with 43 saves and set a new career best with a 1.38 ERA. Over the next three seasons, Rivera's save totals remained steady with 34, 30, and 39 saves, passing notable relievers such as Dennis Eckersley and John Franco in the career saves list, and in 2008, he blew only one save. In 2009, Rivera got off to a peculiarly slow start allowing four home runs in his first 12 games as his ERA ballooned to 3.97. But like in other seasons with slow starts, Rivera rebounded, and by the All-Star break, he converted 23 of 24 save opportunities. On June 28th, he became only the second pitcher in Major League Baseball history after Trevor Hoffman to record 500 career saves. In the All-Star game, Rivera broke the record with his fourth career save at the Midsummer Classic. He made 44 saves during the season, but Rivera resumed his postseason dominance, converting five saves, including the clincher in Game 6 of the World Series against Philadelphia. After recording 33 saves in 2010, Rivera had a new plan to conquer. 
With Hoffman retiring at the end of the season, sights were set on the all-time saves record. On September 19, 2011, Rivera recorded the 602nd save of his career, passing Hoffman for the all-time record, and he finished the season with 44 saves. Speculation arose in that 2012 would be Rivera's final season. But during pregame warmups on May 3rd, Rivera suffered a freak injury as his left foot got caught in the wall at Kansas City's Kauffman Stadium. He would undergo surgery to repair a torn ACL and miss the remainder of the season. In 2013, Rivera would return for what would become his final season. He recorded 44 saves out of 51 opportunities, and those seven blown saves being the most in his vaunted career. Rivera also made his 13th appearance in the All-Star Game, tying Warren Spahn for the most appearances ever. He was voted the game's MVP after recording his fifth career save in the game. On September 18th against Toronto, he recorded the final save of his career, which is which was his 652nd. On September 26th, Rivera made his final appearance at Yankee Stadium, recording one last out and a 4-0 loss to Tampa Bay. In January 2019, Rivera was unanimously elected to the Baseball Hall of Fame, and on July 21st in Cooperstown, New York, he was inducted into the Hall of Fame. Rivera holds 17 individual regular season save records and 14 postseason save records. In 2015, Rivera became a naturalized U.S. citizen and currently involves himself in humanitarian projects as well as being a Major League Baseball ambassador. One last short break, and when I come back, I will give to you the top-ranked pro athlete who has made his way through the Capital Region. Stay tuned. You are listening to No Credentials Required. This summer, if you are looking to buy tickets for your favorite band, sports team, venue, or more, remember to buy your tickets at SeatGeek. That's S-E-A-T-G-E-E-K. Visit SeatGeek.com to search for the event you want to buy tickets for this summer. If your total ticket buy is over $50, use the promo code GAZ. That's G-O-Z. GAZ. To get $20 off your purchase. Any ticket purchase over $50 from SeatGeek.com, use the promo code G-O-Z to get $20 off your order. Save some money and enjoy the summer by using SeatGeek.com and promo code G-O-Z. All right, welcome back. And now, the moment you've been waiting for, the number one pro athlete who cut their chops in the Capital Region. Drumroll, please. He's number two in your programs, but number one on this list, and that is Derek Jeter. Derek Jeter was selected sixth overall by the New York Yankees in the 1992 Major League Baseball draft. Can you name the five players selected ahead of him without without Googling? Without Googling, can you name the five players selected ahead of him? I'll wait. All right, you give up? Okay. So those five players were Phil Nevin, Paul Shuey, B.J. Wallace, Jeffrey Hammonds, and Chad Matola. Jeter was projected to be the first overall pick following a year where he won both Gatorade and USA Today's High School Baseball Player of the Year. Now, after the 1992 draft, he joined the Gulf Coast League Yankees and struggled on the onset, hitting 202 in 47 games. However, 
He started to get his bat right in Greensboro of the South Atlantic League, and he improved to 243 in 11 games appeared. Jeter began the 1993 season back in Greensboro and hit 295 and 128 games with 152 hits and 71 RBIs. After that season, Baseball America named Jeter the 16th best prospect in baseball, and league managers named him the most outstanding major league prospect. Jeter started his 1994 season with Tampa Advanced Class A, where he sported a 329 record with 96 hits and 13 doubles in 69 games. Those efforts earned him a promotion to AA Albany Colony as Jeter continued to work his way up in the system. In only 34 games with the AC Yanks, Jeter tore the cover off the ball, hitting 377 with 46 hits, 13 doubles, and two RBIs. He ended his year with Triple A Columbus, where he played in 35 games, hitting 349 with 44 hits, seven doubles, and three RBIs. By the end of 1994, Jeter won minor league player of the year honors with Baseball America, the Sporting News, and Tops. Jeter made his Major League debut on May 29, 1995, and similar to two of his previously mentioned teammates, that would be Andy Pettit and Mariano Rivera, Jeter was inserted after team injuries. He spent 13 games with the Bronx Bombers before being sent back to Columbus when Tony Fernandez returned to the lineup. Jeter continued to clobber the ball as a clipper, batting 317 in 123 games with 154 hits, 27 doubles and 20 stolen bases by the end of the season jeter was named the sixth best prospect by baseball america after fernandez's disappointing season the yankees were in search for better hitting shortstop before the 1996 season a young executive named brian cashman along with director of scouting gene michael convinced yankees owner george steinbrenner to bring up jeter jeter became the first rookie to start at shortstop for the Yankees on opening day since Tom Tresh did it in 1962. Jeter hit the first home run of his career, showed off his defensive range by robbing Omar Vizquel of a hit as the Yankees defeated Cleveland 7-1. There was no looking back as Jeter finished the 1995 season with a 314 batting average, 78 RBIs, and 100 runs, 104 runs scored. Jeter was unanimously voted American League Rookie of the Year as he helped the Yankees win the World Series. Jeter became the Yankees' leadoff batter in the 1997 season and batted 291 with 190 hits and 104 runs scored. By 1998, Jeter led the American League with 127 runs and batted 324 to go along with 30 stolen bases and 203 hits. Between the American League Divisional Series and Championship Series, he was hitting a paltry 197, but in the World Series, he batted 353 with six hits and four runs as the Yankees swept San Diego. Jeter finished third in league MVP voting and was named to his first All-Star game that season. In 1999, Jeter led the league with 219 hits, broke the 100 RBI mark for the first and only time of his career with 102, and finished with what would be his career best 349 batting average, somehow finishing sixth in the MVP voting. <laughs> Jeter kept his hot heading going in the playoffs, batting 450 in the divisional series against Texas, 350 in the championship series against Boston, and 353 in the World Series against Atlanta as the Yankees swept the Braves 
to win their third World Series title in four seasons. In 2000, Jeter led the team with a 339 batting average and broke the 200 hit mark for the third consecutive season with 201 hits. He was selected to his third All-Star game and was named the MVP of the game with a three-hit performance. In the playoffs, Jeter ramped up his hitting following the ALDS when he hit 211 against Oakland. He hit 318 versus Seattle. In the World Series, he lit up the Mets with a 411 batting average. Jeter was named World Series MVP as the Yankees beat the Mets in five games. He is still the only major league baseball player to ever win an All-Star Game MVP and World Series MVP in the same season. Prior to the 2001 season, the Yankees signed Jeter to a 10-year contract extension. And all the money he received in that contract didn't slow him down, as Jeter finished with a 311 batting average and 110 runs scored. In the American League Division Series, the shortstop suffered at the plate, but he had a season-saving moment in Game 3 of the Division Series known as the flip. You can pause this podcast and Google it. It's okay. Just just make sure you come back. <laughs> the Yankees won the division series in five games before defeating Seattle again in the, in the championship series before meeting Arizona in the World Series. In game four, as the clock struck midnight on November 1st, 2001, Jeter hit the game-winning home run off of Diamondbacks reliever Byung-Hyung Kim to win said game, earning the shortstop the nickname Mr. November. For the first time in the history of Major League Baseball, playing the World Series during the month of November, and for very good reason. Everything pushed back one week after September the 11th, pushing the postseason back and now officially into November as Derek Jeter bats with two out and nobody on. Jeter hits it into right. Back at the wall. Game over. Yankees win and the series is tied. However, the Yankees would lose the series in seven games. In 2002, Jeter had another all-star season, batting 297 with 124 runs scored to go with 35 doubles. But on opening day of the 2003 season, Jeter dislocated his left shoulder while sliding into third base as Toronto catcher Ken Huckabee was covering third. For the first time in his career, Jeter would spend an extended period of time on the disabled list, missing six weeks of action. He returned in June, and despite the injury, Jeter finished third in the American League with a 324 batting average. Upon his return, George Steinbrenner named Jeter the captain of the Yankees, the first captain since John Mattingly retired in 1995. The Yankees went on to another World Series that season, only to lose to Florida in six games. In 2004, Jeter excelled not only at bat, but also in the field, winning the first of his five Gold Glove Awards as he committed only 13 errors and 678 chances. We already talked about what happened in the, in the American League Championship Series. It's not worth repeating. <laughs> Jeter remained a key contributor in the Yankees lineup, helping the Yankees to make three more playoff appearances. He would go on to break Lou Gehrig's franchise record of hits at Yankee Stadium by recording his 1,270th hit in September 2008, which would be the first season he would not compete in the postseason. In 2009, Jeter finished third in the American League with a 334 batting average to go with 212 hits and 107 runs scored. 
That season, he broke Luis Aparicio's record and career hits as a shortstop. And on September 11th, Jeter broke Gehrig's all-time franchise record in hits. In the World Series, Jeter hit 407 as the Yankees defeated Philadelphia in six games. The next season, Jeter hit only 270. The first time in his career, he hit under 290. But defensively, he had his best season ever, committing only six errors all season. One of Jeter's best seasons came in 2011. Following a contentious offseason that saw him as a free agent for the first time in his career, he set several all-time franchise marks. On May 28th, he broke Ricky Henderson's franchise record with his 327th stolen base. He went on the DL for the second time in his career with a calf injury in June. But Jeter came back later in the month, and on July 9th, he recorded his 3,000th career hit with a home run off Tampa Bay pitcher David Price. And on August 29th, he broke Mickey Mantle's record with his 2,402nd game as a New York Yankee. Jeter led the league in total hits in 2012, recording 216 hits and 683 at-bats, hitting 316. It was the final time he would hit over 300 in his illustrious career as he earned the last of his four Silver Slugger awards. In the ALCS that season, Jeter suffered a fractured ankle while fielding a ground ball. The effects of the injury lasted into the 2013 season, and due to various injuries, he hit only 190 in 17 games played. On February 12, 2014, Jeter announced it would be his final season after signing a one-year contract with the Yankees. In his final bat at Yankee Stadium, Jeter brought in the winning run in a walk-off win over Baltimore. Number two, Derek Jeter. Number two. Well, the script is there. The last page is in Derek's hands. Neat deals. Base hit to right field. Here comes Richardson. Here's the throw for Marquez. Richardson is safe. Derek Jeter ends his final game with a walk-off single. Derek Jeter, where fantasy becomes reality. Did you have any doubt? His final at-bat came at Fenway Park on September 28th in the designated hitter spot with an RBI off Clay Buckholtz in the third inning. He was replaced by Brian McCann as the pinch runner. Jeter finished his career as the Yankees' all-time franchise leader with 2,747 games played. 11,195 at-bats, 3,465 hits, 544 doubles, and 358 stolen bases. He is also the all-time postseason leader across Major League Baseball with 158 games played, 200 hits, 32 doubles, 5 triples, 111 runs scored, and 302 total bases. Jeter's number two was retired in 2017, and he was unanimously voted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 2021. And on September 8, 2021, he was enshrined in the National Baseball Hall of Fame. And that is the f- ranking of the top 10 professional athletes who made their way through the Capital Region in their careers. Thank you for sticking with me this long. And it was a long list, but if I missed anyone who deserves consideration, hit me up on social media, on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. It's NoCredsREQ, Facebook.com 
forward slash no creds req and of course on youtube subscribe hit the notification bell when we upload videos or we go live please visit all of our affiliates in this recording whether it be johnstone supply the albany empire in the clutch.com mohawk honda or seat geek let them know no credentials required sent you if you're a new listener please don't forget to subscribe to the podcast leave us a rating leave us a review we'll read on the air my name is ryan mccarthy i am the host of no credentials required where you don't need a press pass to talk sports we'll talk to you again next time Music courtesy of Joseph McDade. Check him out and support his music at patreon.com forward slash Joseph McDade. Be sure to rate, share, and subscribe on multiple podcast platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Spreaker. No credentials required as a Belly Up Sports Podcast Network production in association with Godzilla Media. Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.